going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome into the Bell Ringer podcast hosted by Sixers Wire of USA Today Sports Media Group. I'm your host, the editor of the Sixers Wire site, Kai Carlin. Now, I got my guy with me, Nick Fryer, who is leaving USA Today SMG. February 26th is going to be his last day over at NetsWire. He's moving on to better, bigger, and better things over at DraftKings. He is leaving me, and I am not happy about it. Not one bit. My man, Nick Fryer. Nick. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, thanks. Uh, you know, first of all, I don't want to say bigger and better things because I mean, the, the NBA wires are doing great, and uh, especially Sixers wire. I mean, God, I don't, I don't have I'm not privy to everybody's numbers, but I know you are absolutely kicking ass. Uh, you were already doing well in your first year, but your second full year has been the numbers that I've seen are ridiculous. So you're doing an awesome job. Telling you that I was was uh, moving on though was extremely difficult. I, I I did it the day that I sent the note in, but I. I was still like, oh, God, I don't want to tell Kai because it just- sucked. It hurt. Yeah. It yeah. hurt. It, it, I was at the gym, right, yeah, guys? I'm at the gym. <laughs> so I'm at the gym. I'm getting ready to work out. I think I've been working out for maybe five minutes. Oh, like just, I just started my workout. I'm on the bike, get my cardio in early. Because, you know, get your cardio in first. And then um, I get a call from Nick Fryer. I'm like, okay, he probably needs me to write something real quick for a net spire. He's probably like, sure, what's up, Nick? Then he says, I'm leaving. I said, what? I stopped my workout. I went up against the wall. I look like the Stephen A. Smith meme when he's oh. when, when he's got his arm against the uh, the wall and he's leaning into it and he's like really sad. That's how I look like. That's how I look like. Oh my god! I I I, I knew it was gonna be tough. Like it was gonna not go well. Like obviously, I know you were happy for me and everything, but it's like it's it's one of the tougher parts because you make you develop relationships with people you work with, and we came close with this. I mean, shit, you stay up here when uh, the, the Sixers are in town to play the Celtics and stuff, and. You know, whenever, you know, I always knew we, we, at our at NBA Wire sites, uh, for those who don't know, like it's a lot of just Kai doing stuff for Sixers Wire and me doing stuff for Nets Wire. And yep. we always had each other's backs when, you know, stuff was going on when we weren't by our computers. Yeah. So that was, that's another thing too. Like I felt really bad about. Yeah, yeah that hurt. That hurt. I don't have anybody <laughs> to really kind of lean on. So, I mean, listen, emotions out of the way. We'll get to those a little bit more later. Guys. The Philadelphia 76ers having a hell of a start to the season. First of all, I want to apologize to everybody who was expecting new episodes. Like, listen, life has taken over. The season's taken over. You really can't find time to podcast regularly. First podcast since I think like early January. So I apologize. Traveling too. Yeah. I just came back from Tampa. Just came mm. back from Tampa. Tampa was great. Um, <laughs> I mean, was it? a little bit. I passed by Raymond James Stadium, home of the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Ooh. former New England Patriot quarterback Tom Brady. Just, just, if you're trying to pour salt in my wound or anything like there's no there's no wound anymore. I'm happy for Brady. I wanted him to win that in the worst oh, way once he got there. Oh, okay. All right. I hear it. I hear it. So yeah, because now it's like who's how can you say he's not the greatest anymore? That's okay. another one too. That's another one too. People are always like, oh, who's Belichick? Like, no, no, no. Nope. Brady's not, not good. Yep. And, you know, Tampa Bay's defense was also perfect there for him too. So I mean, come on. Sure. Sure. So um, the way I the Philadelphia 76ers this season. They're 21 and 11. They just split the two-game road series with Tampa Bay. Uh, at the time of this podcast, they're going to get set to host Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks over at Wells Fargo Center uh, tonight because uh, they it's February 25th. And, uh, Nick, the All-Star Reserves were announced the other day mm. on the 23rd. And Ben Simmons made it for a third straight season, which I thought he definitely deserved it. Ben Simmons is an All-Star in this league, without a doubt. But there was another guy who felt like – I felt like at least – should have made the all-star team, and that is Tobias Harris. Mm. And Harris is having a terrific season. He's averaging a career high in points, shooting a career high from the field, shooting a career high from three-point range. 
Um, he's really distributing the ball really well. He's rebounding the ball really well. I think over his last 10 games, Harris is averaging five assists a night. If you get five assists a night out of Tobias Harris, that's really, really good numbers. Right. Yeah, he's been doing really well. And obviously, they're the top team in the East going into their third game on Thursday night. Right. They're a top team in the East. And they're only sending Joel Embiid, who obviously you got to send Joel Embiid. He's been an absolute animal all season. Like Embiid has taken the next step, clearly. And then you sent Ben Simmons, who, again, Simmons is what's expected. And then you got Tobias Harris, who I think Harris probably should have made it over a guy like maybe Nikola Vucevic. Because, sure, he's putting up numbers, but the Magic are like, what are they, 13th in the East? Like, Orlando is... They are 12th, yeah. They're 13 and 9. Yeah, or Orlando is Orlando's like, eh, Orlando. And then you've yeah. got Zach Levine, who... I, I'll, I'll cut Levine a little bit of slack because Levine is literally putting up, you know, incredible numbers. Um, I think he just had 36 uh, the other night to lead Chicago into an overtime win. Yeah, so, and they're, they're – the, I mean, look, I, I'm not saying just because you're a playoff team that means you should have an all-star, but they're the sixth team in the East right now. Yeah, so, I mean, listen, get, I'll, get, I'll cut Levine a little slack. Like, all right, sure, you, you deserve it. Go ahead. But then you got Julius Randle, who is another guy having a really, really great season for the New York Knicks. But they're still the New York Knicks. <laughs> it's like – it's they like, are still the New York Knicks. That is that is a fact. Right. It's like, listen, you're still the Knicks. Like, what 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 seed are they right now, Nick? What are they eight, nine? Uh, they are ten, I believe. Yeah, they're ten. ten. They're ten. And then you got Boston, who Boston is under five hundred, and they're sending both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to the All Star game. Well, mm-hmm. both of those guys who I love very dearly. I love watching those two play. But for a team that's under five hundred. I feel like you should only send one of those guys, Brown or Tatum. You know, just kind of take a pick. Yeah, and I know that you had said, too, that uh, you thought Jalen Brown should be a starter. Right? I think you tweeted that out in the, in the All-Star game over Kyrie, right? Yeah, I thought Jalen Brown should have been a starter just because, like, I feel like Jalen Brown should have – Jalen Brown has been playing all season. Mm. And obviously Kyrie Irving is Kyrie Irving. But my man went AWOL for, like, what, a, a, you know, a couple weeks. Uh, yeah, it was a, yeah, at least a couple of weeks. I'm trying to find the breakdown of the, the coaching uh, – the, the players, media, and um, fan, fan voting. voting. That's, that's obviously a huge factor in all this. And always, I, I can't always. Come across that. I mean, that's how, that's how these starters are, are picked. The coaches pick the, the rest of the reserves. So that's a little bit of a different story uh, when it comes to Harris specifically. But, look, when I th- – when. With the Celtics, yeah, when you're the ninth team in the Eastern Conference and you are probably the most disappointing team in the league right now, at least one of the top three most disappointing teams. Right. It's sending two guys is weird, but it's like looking at you got Tatum, who's a guy who's been on the rise, and everybody's everybody in the NBA is high on still, right? And he's still putting up really good numbers. He's only he he's only nineteen, Nick. Yeah, I know. I I get I get annoyed with that. That's that's yeah, Uh, but. Jalen Brown has, like, he really stepped forward in the bubble. He has, his profile has grown immensely, too, since he did what he did, uh, driving all the way down from Boston to Atlanta for the, the protests and everything. So, like, I, I, there's, he's much more in the public eye. And you look at Julius Randle, I think, like, that's another example of now he's with the Knicks. The Knicks don't completely suck now. So that's going to help him in the fan vote, and, and sure. among other things. I'm not saying, like, Randle – I mean, Randall has done well this year. I will give him that. It's having a hell of a year. But, but when you talk about your, your Harris stuff, like, I think those are the kind of issues that I think that he runs into when he's the third guy on, the, on a team. The, obviously, the best team in Eastern – well, 
we can talk about that more later. Who's actually the best team in the Eastern Conference? But one of the or, two best record wise, record wise, yeah. record wise, the best team. Yeah. So, so uh, but like, whereas the Nets, you have three guys who are like superstar level, and they are like always going to get in. I mean, Kyrie was even playing last year, and he was in the conversation for right. being a starter. Which right. I don't think he should be the starter this year. I think it should be James Harden should be the second guard starter. Right. So it's like it kind of comes down to reputation. So, oh, so much. Absolutely, especially when it comes to that. And I think Tobias Harris actually posted something on Instagram and Twitter after Tuesday's win over the Toronto Raptors. He tweeted something. Um, he tweeted Jay-Z's song, Politics as Usual. Meaning, like, listen, he understands. He's not James Harden. He doesn't have the reputation of a Kyrie Irving or a Kevin Durant or uh, a Jason Tatum even. Tobias Harris is a guy who comes in puts his hat, hard hat on, keeps his head down, and just works his ass off every day. And the reason why I thought Tobias should make it is because, you know, he's being asked to do so much in Philadelphia, and he's also contributing to winning. Like, everybody kind of wants to keep their eyes on Embiid and Simmons, and rightfully so. Those two are the two franchise cornerstones. But Harris is out here putting up career, not career highs and scoring, um, rebounding. Well, not rebounding, but, like, um, field goal percentage, three-point shooting percentage. Uh, he's come up big time in the clutch in moments when they needed him. We all remember that game winner he hit against the Lakers at home. Uh, like there, there's a lot that Tobias Harris has continued to improve on. And also they're, they're asking him to be one of their better defenders out on the perimeter because outside of Ben Simmons and maybe Danny Green, you know, they, they don't really have the greatest perimeter defenders. And then maybe, and then obviously Thibault. But like, like the Sixers rely a lot on, them funneling their guys towards Joel Embiid and just have them block their shot every time they come down into the paint. Mm -hmm. So Harris, I just feel like just kind of deserves it because the Philadelphia is the number one seed in the East at the moment. And if Brooklyn, the number two seed is going to send three guys, which again, it kind of comes down to reputation. For sure. Um, I mean, it's, it's a hu huge factor. Also. I mean, I, I don't think, I think with some of these guys, like if they had taken that long break, like Kyrie did, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't survive that and still make it to the, like Bradley Beal, right? Bradley Beal is the leading guard vote getter oh, yeah, um, in the Beal. Eastern Conference. If Bradley Beal has that long absence, like Kyrie does, yeah, he doesn't make that game. Mm -mm. No shot mm -mm. in hell. And then the same thing goes for Zach Levine. Any of these reserves pretty much, except for maybe Ben Simmons and Harden because they're superstar like status. And maybe Tatum, maybe, but that's still, eh. Like, you can't, like these guys, some guys can get away with stuff in the league and some guys can't. It's, it's clear as day. Well, of course. Yeah. But like when I look at, when I, I look at Brooklyn, man, and I've been saying it from the beginning, obviously, I think Brooklyn comes out of the Eastern Conference. I think, I, just, I don't think anybody beats that team four times in seven games. And obviously that comes down to Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. And all three of those guys deserve to be all-star, you know, all-star members of, of the mm -hmm. team this season. But when I, when I look at Philadelphia and I look at the, the huge leap that Tobias Harris took, especially after last season, remember everybody was just writing off Harris like, oh, my God, this dude, well, they're paying him $180 million. Uh, he's been terrible. He sucks. And then Nick, he shot two for 15 from deep in the playoffs, uh, you know, in the sweep to the Celtics. Mm -hmm. And he's bounced back in a really, really huge way. He put his head down. He focused on his work. He continued to put the work in. And he's got – He's averaging – he's having a hell of a season with the Sixers. So, I just kind of feel like he did kind of deserved it, at least over a guy like maybe Vucevic or Randall. And like yeah, those are kind of two guys. And I think the, the part of the problem is that people are so far apart on some of these things, too. I mean, whether you're talking about the fans, the media, and the players. And I get it that players get frustrated and, and 
saying politics as usual, like, okay, um, but what do you mean? Like, guys say that as a blanket statement. I, and, and I don't quite understand it sometimes because we, we have the fans weighing in, you have the players weighing in, and then you have the media, right? So we have all those factors. Well, Harris didn't show up in the top 10 in the, the fan vote or, or any of the vote, excuse me, like between the players, the media, and uh, the fans. Actually, he could have as, as the players. He could have been number 10, but he didn't make that the cut because Hayward got so much support from the media and uh, the, the players. I'm, look, I'm looking at the breakdown right now. Gotcha. But, so I, I, with him, I don't – like I get it. He's had a good year, but Sabonis is another guy who's had a good year. Jeremy Grant, I mean, up in Detroit, you don't need me to tell you. He's had a, he's had a big breakout year and everything too. So I'm not saying that Harris wasn't deserving of being in the conversation, but there are a lot of guys who – I mean, did, did Bam not make it this year? Uh, Bam nor Jimmy Butler made it. You know, the Heat have also struggled quite a bit, uh, or yeah. at least compared to last year. Yeah, and the Heat are the number eight team. I'm surprised Bam didn't make it, actually, though. That's another one. Yeah, I mean, again, it kind of comes down to the fact that, like, Miami was hyped. They made the NBA Finals last year, and mm-hmm. then they're off to – I think they're still under 500. they They're playing a little bit better now that they're finally getting healthy. I still feel like the Heat are struggling just because of the fact that, like, Butler missed, like, 12 games or eight games, something like that with, those, with the protocols. Yep. Um, and the same thing with Adebayo. Uh, and then they, they also miss Goran Dragic again for like eight, nine games because of an injury. Mm-hmm. So that's true. So once they're all healthy, I think I read a stat that like when the Heat are like fully healthy, they're like, I think they're like eight and two or something like that. They're getting no respect at all this year. It's like, you, how, do you, how do you ignore that? Those facts. They, they, they don't have their best players on their floor. They shouldn't play as well as they, like they did last year. It makes right. sense. Right. Right. Like when the Heat were in Philadelphia um, in January. They only had to play with like eight guys because they were missing Jimmy, Goran, um, Adebayo, uh, Haslam. There was like a lot of different guys that they were missing. Um, mm-hmm. And they were relying on Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson to just be like, I, yo, you guys need to score all the points. And Kelly Olynyk too. Oh, and oh, by the way, rookie Precious Achua, good luck against Joel Embiid. So, I mean, of course, like they're not going to win those two games without Jimmy, without Jimmy or Bam or anything. And they came close to winning that first one, Nick. My uh, Philadelphia needed overtime just to beat Robinson, Hero, Achua, Olenek, and uh, Gabe Vincent. We're starting at the two guard spot, and oh, Max Struess. <laughs> Max Struess. Yeah. yeah. So, so like the Heat, the Heat are going to battle. That's why I try to tell people once the Heat get fully healthy, which they're close to. With Goran, Goran Dragic came back last night, and uh, they just beat Toronto, um, and they went four and three on a seven game Western Conference road trip. By the way. Yeah, the, like the Heat just need to get into the postseason to create a fit. And they also need Bam and um, – because Bam was dealing with the COVID protocol. So I don't know if they he tested po- positive. None of, them, none of them did. Okay, none of them tested positive. They, they were all, was out that long. Just, oh. Yeah, they were all close contact, contact tracing. I think like two – I think one player tested positive within the Heat organization. Jeez. Okay. Well, okay. Then, then those guys shouldn't be feeling any lasting effects or anything. So then they should be fine because I know some people, different people, whether from different sports have talked about lasting effects. I know Tatum has said it himself too. Like he just felt Seth weird. Curry too. Yeah. Seth Curry. That's right. Yeah. There's another guy who's, who's dealt with so much this season too. God. Um, yeah. But yeah. The Heat are the Heat. Like they're the 18 right now. It's a lot different than being the 18 versus the Celtics being the 19. Two very different situations. Yeah, it's just a very, very different situations. I feel like the Celtics will eventually get going as well. Dang. Because, but... Like, I, I do feel like Boston's going to eventually get it going. I feel like Miami's going to eventually get it going. And then when the season ends in May, 
and wow, that that still feels really weird to say. We're expecting the season normally to end in April. Mm. Um, when the season ends in May, then we're going to be looking up at the Eastern Conference standings, and we're going to see Miami and Boston up there with Philadelphia, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee. That's just how I see it. Okay. I mean, I, in the end, Kai, I, I just – right now, the three, there's only the three teams that, the, at the top that matter to me for the Eastern Conference. I, I hate thinking like that. but Sure. Just but sure. even, then, even then, I might only say the top two because the Bucks have been disappointing. I mean, I know they're, they're 19 and 13 in the number three team, but I just feel like whenever I've watched them on the big stage, it's like, huh, okay. Like, wh- what's going on, Giannis? Like when, and I know Holiday's been out a bit, but they just can't, they can't figure it out. It's Mike Budenholzer. I'm trying to tell people Mike Budenholzer coach teams are great regular season teams. They'll win in the first round, maybe the second round but they will not come out of the East. You saw it all the time with Atlanta. You're seeing it now in Milwaukee. Mike Boonholzer is not going to, you know, I don't trust Mike Boonholzer coach team. So the Bucks to me don't matter. Like outside, outside of Giannis. To me, it's coming down to Philadelphia and Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And when it comes down to that, both teams have their advantages and disadvantages. Like the Sixers have Joel Embiid. The Nets don't have anybody to defend Joel Embiid. Joel Joel Hans Embiid has continued to take steps forward. And ever since he's had that kid, I don't know what it is, Nick. Every, every time somebody has a baby, they go out and they ball out. Remember Fred Van Vliet in 2019? <laughs> they get that dad strength. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, it's a dad strength. Even Al Horford in Oklahoma City. Did you see once he had a baby, Horford was averaging like 16, 8, and 6 or something? Like, of course he was. Yeah, of course. Like, like Horford was going back to like Boston and Atlanta, Al Horford. And he was shooting really well too, Nick. I was like, yo, what the hell? Of course he was, Jeff Al Horford. I saw him take a shot at the end of the game. I was like, where the hell Where the hell's that been? Like now he's doing because he's in Oklahoma City when nah, they're not a good team. No, it's dad strength. I'm contributing it all to the dad strength. And then Joel Embiid has a baby, and this man's averaging 30. And, shoot, and he's like – on track to like have a 50, 40, 90 season. If like he continues to take strides forward, like Joel Embiid's been terrific. There's a reason he's in the MVP conversation and he totally deserves it. And I, I, I wouldn't hate to see it. Like he's finally when Embiid is, is going, man. Yeah. How do you stop him? You can't, you really no. can't. So, but what, so when it comes down to these two teams, you know, Brooklyn doesn't have anybody to defend Joel un- unless they go out and try to get a big man center. Now the trade deadline is March 25th. Um, and, the, and the Nets have so many assets to trade. That's I was about to bring that up. They really don't have anything. So they're really got to kind of wait for the buyout market. And one option, I mean, one option could be Blake Griffin. I mean, the problem is, is just getting – being able to offer the, the Pistons anything. I mean, unless they buy him out straight. Like, there's no way. Here's the thing, though. Nobody wants that contract. So, so even if Brooklyn were to count, conjure up something to offer Detroit, like – it's really not going to really be much because he's on that such a shit contract. They only have Kai's second round draft. I mean, you're, I get your point. That's fair. They clearly, they're, they're not playing him, right? They're doing the same thing that Drummond's getting in, in Cleveland, right? Yep. Which again, my point proves my point. Andre Drummond, not a good center. So, <laughs> Hey, he's good for fantasy. I'll tell em- you that. Right exactly. Empty calories, empty calories. That's a good way to put it. Empty calorie stats. I'm telling you right now. Um, mm. the, the way I see it is, the way I see it is, Detroit is going to have to buy him out. And big, because I'm telling you right now, no team is going to put 
I'd be, I'd be shocked. I'll, I'll put it this way. I'll be shocked if they're able to trade him. Let's just put it that way. And it's, it's going to be really tough for anybody to really accept that deal. And especially when Blake hasn't even dunked in a game since I think December, 2019, I think that's a lot. I think it's the last time he's dunked in a game. Jeez. So, I mean, like this is like, this isn't, this isn't Blake. This isn't even Blake of two years ago when he dragged the Pistons to the playoffs. This is Blake. Like now, like Blake, this is old rickety Blake. Mm-hmm. But then again, like how, like, well, the Nets will go and take a name. They will, like, but there are other teams that will probably try and, and get him too. I, I imagine the Celtics might have some interest in it, but um, just because he's a big guy and he's you know, still somewhat athletic. But, I mean, the Nets, if he's there for the buyout market, why wouldn't you want to go to Brooklyn at this point, right? Right, right. So then, so then at that point, the question that becomes, is Blake playing bad because he's playing for a bad Piston team that's just rebuilding? Or, and maybe his body language, like he's not really getting up for games anymore? Or is it truly like he's – and maybe he just needs like a change of scenery? to really mm-hmm. kind of get back to being who he was at least or any type of semblance or, or is it really injuries and age and he's just really, he's damaged goods. He's screwed. And you know, it could be, it, it could be a combination of everything where I, I would imagine going to Brooklyn and playing with those three guys and, and, and the other talent that they have there too, that could give you a little extra boost of energy. I mean, look at what happened to James Harden, right? I mean, he was, He's always played well in Houston. I mean, as much as I've not been, I've not enjoyed watching him play. Watching him now, the pound the ball into the ground a million times doesn't happen as much as it did. I feel like whenever I watched him with the Rockets. Now he mo- and he's moving the ball well. He's leading the league in assists per game and everything. So we saw what happened when he left, right? And he was supposedly out of shape down there, and he came up That's here. So and Steve Nash, Steve Nash still said he wasn't in in shape, but guess what? He moved. He came up to to Brooklyn, and everything started clicking. And he's looked outstanding, and he's been. Since James Harden came to Brooklyn, he has been the, the MVP of the Nets. I mean, he's one player yeah. of the week twice. Durant has, had, has gotten uh, what was it, the COVID protocols and now the hamstring stuff. So he's been carrying this team. And then Kyrie, you just never know if he's going to be there on a given night, especially when Kevin Durant out. I always assume, like, oh, Kyrie's going to be out for a finger or something. Right, right. I've noticed that, too. Like, even when Brooklyn was here in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. Durant was out because of the protocols, which, again, real quick, I want to touch on that. I don't, I don't, I don't understand why Durant was out for last time for his protocols, especially when like the Toronto game, when they said he couldn't play, then he could play, then he can't play. Like, mm. what the hell is that? Like, that what is was that? A mess. That was such a weird night. I mean, like, like he's there and then he makes his first appearance off the bench in his career. And then he, I think it was the first time he ever finished in single digits in a game too. Like, well, that's not true. Yeah. yeah, he, he, sure. yeah injuries, injuries. Never mind. But I was like, he scored eight points. Like what? This is such, like, there's just, so it was, was a wild weird. Night. It was a weird night. It was just like it was just like the NBA is like, he, yeah, he can't play. He and, was pissed. And here's the thing: I, did, didn't he keep testing negative? Didn't he test like negative like a hundred times? And, and Steve Nash was like, "Yo, come on, man!" Like he, everybody was like, "Yo, come on!" I mean, I was like, "What the hell? What the hell is going on?" And then he so he he misses the majority of that game, and then they, he misses the next three, three. games. Yeah. Comes back against the Warriors. They win, and then he misses – he's missed six, I think, going into seven, something yeah, like that. Yeah, with the hamstring injury. So, like, that yeah. that sucks. That's going to hold you back a little bit. So, mm-hmm. But the Nets are kicking ass, so they don't need to rush him back either. Steve Nash has made it clear, like, we are taking our time now because they've won six in a row, seven yeah, in a row. Yeah, they're playing well because you have Kyrie Irving and James Harden. And, like, this is what I'm trying to tell people. Like, everybody was like, oh, Kyrie Irving's a chemistry killer. Oh, James Harden's going to mess it, go in there and mess things up. And it's like, no, 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 no. Listen, you listen to me right now. These guys may be a lot of personalities, but this is still James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. And if the game is close with the game on the line, you know Kyrie Irving's going to come through and hit, like, 
clutch shot after clutch shot after clutch shot because that's who he is. Kyrie Irving is a hell of a basketball player. And same goes for Kevin Durant and uh, James Harden, too. It's, just, it's who they are. I think the biggest thing has been, I mean, everybody says it. The biggest thing has been James Harden and his, un, his like, acceptance of his role. Right, and he came in. He actually kind of, I feel like, set the tone for what his role was going to be right away. And Kyrie has said, like, he doesn't want to play hero ball, so he's not trying to do everything. Right. But from the start of this season, it's been pretty clear that Kyrie wants to shoot a ton. He doesn't necessarily want to be a facilitator. Yeah. He thought that that was going to be the case because Dinwiddie was taking on point guard role more than than Kyrie was. Then obviously he gets hurt. That screws things up a bit. Yeah. But now with Harden, he's plays that he's playing that role exceptionally well. So he can just Kyrie can handle the ball sometimes, but go out and shoot and kind of just look for his whenever he wants to. And that there, the way that those two have meshed together and and taken on their roles and kind of like found their lanes and just run right through them. Yeah. It's that's why they're that's why they're doing so well. And then Durant's obviously just whatever the hell he wants to do. But it it makes you wonder about like years prior where it didn't work with Harden in the Rockets, whether it was Chris Paul. I know they came close that one year um, to beating the Warriors. You know, injury changes things. But then with right. Russell Westbrook too, it's like I like Westbrook, but you gotta wonder. Like he, he sometimes he, he, he it's been always clear he doesn't he thinks he's better than he is as much as he is very good. He's, right. And like that's why they they weren't successful down there and and. But, yeah, the, Brooklyn's rolling, and they're not slowing down. No. And then there's Philadelphia, mm. who is going, is going to be the bigger challenger right now, at least in my eyes. Yeah. And so you'll put Ben, and Ben Simmons is one of the elite defenders in the entire NBA. Mm-hmm. You know, you put him on Kyrie Irving or – actually, no, you wouldn't put him on Irving. You would put him on either James Harden or Kevin Durant. But then who's guarding Irving? So that, that brings up another question for Philadelphia. Is like, first of all, they need to upgrade the bench because the bench unit has been pretty bad over the past couple of weeks because Furkan Korkmaz is really just he, – he's not it. Um, <laughs> when Korkmaz is My making – My guy. <laughs> when Korkmaz is making his threes, Nick, Korkmaz is absolutely terrific. He's great. You, want, you, you need him out there. But when Korkmaz isn't making his threes, like there was a six-game stretch before the Tuesday night Toronto game, Nick. He shot 0.63% from deep over a six-game stretch, and he took 2.73s a night, and he was only making 0.63% of them. How the hell does that happen? He's a sharpshooter. <laughs> just, just, he, he went into like this ridiculously, ridiculous slump, and, God. He, and he becomes almost unplayable at that point because he's still not a great defender. No. He, he, still, can't, he still really can't put the ball on the floor. Uh, he's not a guy who's going to distribute the ball either. It's not like he's going to be able to make up for it by doing other things offensively. Um, so when it comes to that, the Sixers need to add another bench piece. Shake Milton is good. Mm-hmm. Tyrese Maxey has a good future. Matisse Thibault really has stepped up and become like another one of the more elite defenders off the bench. Like Thibault has come in and saved them defensively, but he's another one. He, he's, he doesn't really offer much offensively still. Much is putting it nicely. Yeah, yeah. That's putting it nicely. And like Ben, Ben Simmons the other day in his post-game interview was like, Matisse is shooting the heck out of the ball. And it's like, Matisse is shooting 27% from three, dude. Like, <laughs> and he should, like I get what you're trying to say. You're trying to hype up your teammate. But Matisse is uh, incredible defensively. I love watching him on defense. But every time he shoots the ball, I'm like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, like a, it's like a cringe thing. So let me ask you this thing. So the Nets, when you talk about making moves and stuff, they've done it. They've had – like no hesitation with the majority of the moves. The only thing was really the hard move, and right. that's understandable. 
But with, especially when you look at what Jared Allen's doing, going freaking coast to coast for the Cavaliers the other night. I was like, what? Where? I never saw him do this in Brooklyn. That um, to me sealed the deal for Andre Drummond. I'm like, yo, get out of here. We we yeah. got Jared Allen. Yeah. Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. He's beast, dude. And just like as good as he was in Brooklyn, you just you wonder what, like why wasn't he able to take that step forward last year? Even I know that the, there was the Drummond, you know, the, the Jordan stuff. But anyways, I'm getting getting distracted. They they are moving pieces like constantly. Like, they signed Noah Vonley. Andre Roberson, and then um, who was the third? Oh, and Shumpert, right? And then, like, each of those guys made two appearances, and then they all got waived. I know some are coming back on 10-day deals, but yeah. the point is the Nets are doing everything they can to make moves with, with the best that they can. What do you think the Sixers can do at this point in terms of, like, making a deal and offering stuff up? They're, listen, they don't have much, per se, but, like, you can offer up a Shake Milton if, like, if, if, like you really wanted to really get a true upgrade. I don't think they'd offer Shake. But you could really you could move a guy like Matisse. You can give up a guy like you could move Danny Green. You really could. You could move Danny Green and try to get an upgrade there too. You can move a Mike Scott. You can move you know a lot of different guys on on, on this roster. Like, but then it comes down to it where it's like, who the hell is really going to want like Mike Scott right now? Especially because Scott's dealing with an injury, mm-hmm. and you know. It just it would take a lot of sweetening, and then you throw in a pick or two here and there. So, Daryl Morey is a guy who is not afraid to make a, a, any any move. We all know that. That's we true. All, we all know that Morey has. He almost acquired James Harden. He almost brought Harden here to, to the Sixers. So, and he, and he almost gave up Ben Simmons to do it. Mm-hmm. So, like the, there there's a lot that Daryl Morey I think will do. I don't, I think the Sixers will be very active. I know Woj already said Morey is active right now. Mm-hmm. Like Morey is trying to figure it out right now. One guy that do, that still does intrigue me is Levine, because uh, I, I know Levine was here uh, last week. Joel dropped fifty, and they needed all fifty of those points just to beat the Chicago Bulls at home. Uh, Tobias did play really well in that game too. I think he had twenty-two, seven, and six. Like Tobias was really good, uh, but they needed all fifty from Joel, and it was because you know Levine came in and really played really well, and it kind of seemed like it was an audition. You know why, Nick? Because I'll tell you what, Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey sits like kind of in front of us in the media section. And obviously there's no fans there, obviously. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of like look at a couple different things. Every time Levine took a shot, Morey was talking to uh, their managing group, Josh Harris and Scott O'Neill and David Blitzer. He pulled those guys over to him. And every time Levine took a shot, yeah. it just, it really kind of seemed to me that Morey's trying to go after a guy like Levine. That, that, that's what it kind of seemed like to me. Cause I noticed it every time Levine took a shot, made a shot, whatever it was, Morey was like, pulling josh harris aside like yo come here you see this guy we can get him like so I, I yeah but you can get him but it's gonna take a lot to get zach levine i i understand that his name's been floated around so much over the past what year plus because i know the whole thing was the nets were supposedly in on him right it was him and beal um early on i think the knicks were monitoring him at one point too which i i mean i don't think that's gonna happen anymore no but i i it's gonna take a bit like yeah it's gonna take you, a lot it's gonna take yeah. a lot and that's what i'm saying like I don't know if that's exactly what Maury was saying to Josh Harris. Like, yo, we can get him. I don't know if that's exactly what he was saying. I couldn't hear him. Mm-hmm. I think like, I don't know what the conversation was like. No, I, I'm not. Dis- but, I think you raised a good point. That's that yeah. they probably are looking at, it. and they, I don't blame them for. It, but like, what? It's you're gonna throw in Shake Milton, and you're probably gonna throw in uh, one of those other one of your other key reserves. But you might have to move on to like like Danny Green can't probably can't be your top piece in that. Right, right, enough. right. That's that's gonna be the key thing. It's gonna be like, how is Daryl gonna make this work? So. And again, I'm not trying to put words in his mouth or anything like it. Cause I know, I know Daryl is the guy who monitors a lot of like how 
the, the media's portrays and things like that. So Daryl, if you are listening, I'm not putting words in your mouth. What I'm saying is something that I observed, something I noticed. Mm. So, but yeah, just to kind of seem like he was really talking to Josh Harris all night, like possibly maybe trying to sell him on Zach Levine. And obviously Levine is very talented. So yeah. For uh, sure. Yeah. I think he'd be a really, just really good fit next to Ben and Joel. So that's definitely going to be something that to monitor, something to look at. Um, so I feel like if Philly were to get a move like that, that kind of, strengthens them a little bit when it comes to battling the Nets because I'm pretty sure everybody knows the Nets are going to be the team that they're going to have to chase down in the Eastern Conference especially with with Durant, Irving, Harden um, and Joe, Joe Harris. Harris I was about to bring him up mm-hmm. Joe Harris is, is another one having a really terrific terrific season they shoot the mm-hmm. hell out of the ball good for Joe Harris the dude um, is unreal and look when they yeah. come up to this year I didn't think he I, I was like he's probably gonna average 12 a game I think he's averaging 15 16 right now yeah I just figured he wasn't getting enough opportunities but I had no doubt he was gonna be knocking him down at a ridiculous rate because he shot like 42 or 43 percent last year and it was it was a little bit of a letdown because the year before he led the league with like 47 percent but here's yeah. the thing like you're still shooting 42 percent right yeah. And Kai, this was a guy who had, in the offseason, had gone to – played with um, the um, the Olympic team, but they obviously weren't the Olympics. I forget what, what that tournament was that they were in. But he was he went overseas to, like, to Australia, then to China, and then he went to Africa, and then he made another trip to China with the Nets when they went to play the Lakers over there. Remember that whole thing? Right. So that's, that's – and I think – I want to say that there was another trip in there, but even not – either way, that's – Three times he's going overseas prior to the season. That's going to weigh on you. And, like, and the last one was right before the, the season. So he's got all this shit going on, playing in games well before the preseason with Team USA. So, and then he comes out and he still shoots 42%. He had a really slow start to year, but he was, he was very streaky. Now it's just like, it's for, forget about it, dude. He, just can't, he can't miss. Yeah, the dude's a bucket. Yeah, dude, he is. He's a certified bucket. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to give him credit. He's having a hell of a start. And, and listen, if Brooklyn can grab another big man, at least a viable one, I don't think Drummond's the answer. I know a lot of people want to bring up Drummond just because he is a big man, but Embiid mm-hmm. owns him every time they play. But then on the flip side, you would need Drummond the way Detroit needed Drummond in a way. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's the thing. And that's why with Griffin, I'm a little more open to it. I know Cousins is now out there too. By the way, real quick, yeah. Harris coming into their game against the Magic is shooting 50.5% from three to lead the NBA. Well, there you go then. There you go then. Joe Harris. <laughs> Joe My Harris. God. And he's Hell taking 6.7 uh, per night. But anyways, yeah, like that's the thing that the, the Sixers are going to have as an advantage going into it. But the, but at the same time, Kai, like you talk about defending the Nets too. You, you, br- you brought it up before. Right. Because not, not only are you worried about those three guys, I'm not – like, Harris is not going to go off for 40. That doesn't – that's just not hit him at all. Yeah, that's but, not Joe, no. But he can go off for 25 out of nowhere and, and because cause your attention's drawn elsewhere. He, I think he's come close – I don't know if he's broken 30 before, but he can get right up to that. So, like – and then you're going to get your points from the other guys. Like, Joe, J- James Harden is going to get to the free throw line when he wants to. He hasn't been doing it as much as he did in Houston. Right. So it's going to be a tough one for – um for for the for Philly when they when that time comes because I fully expect those two teams to meet in the Eastern Conference Finals. I do too. I like because because I mean listen, I don't believe in the Bucks. I've been saying it for years. I don't believe in the Bucks. Um, you were right. I, I love Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis is obviously one of the top five players this league at, in today's game. He's incredible on either side of the ball. But 
I don't trust Chris Middleton come playoff time. Middleton's up and down. He's streaky. Brooke Lopez is whatever. And Drew Holiday is terrific. Drew Holiday is great. The, invest, um, the bad investment on there has been Chris Middleton. Yeah, yeah. Drew – like Middleton is – you know, he's streaky. He's up and down. And I love Drew Holiday, though. Like Drew Holiday is going to be a really good addition for them all mm-hmm. because of what he does defensively. To get out of the protocols. Poor right, that's, an, that's another one. But I don't trust the Bucks. I just don't. And then you got Miami, who I love the Heat, but the Heat, we could all say the 2020 NBA final run, we can kind of put that as like, oh, the bubble. The bubble was a weird thing. The, sure. the, bu- the sure. bubble was incredible. I don't, I, like, honestly, as much as the Heat are the eighth team, we t- the eighth team right now, we talked about it, how like they, they got screwed by the protocols so they far. They did. Uh, it's fair. Like, did. I, get, I have no problem with the leagues doing the protocols. They've, yeah, there have been some botches along the way, but that's going to happen. This is a weird time. So, like, right, like, right. But I, I don't look at them and say, oh, I'm, I'm more intimidated by the Hornets, the Bulls, the Raptors, and the Pacers, who are all no, ahead of them. No, 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 no. I honestly think that the Heat deserve – they get criminally disrespected in the All the right time. Now. They do it yeah. all the time, though. The bubble helped, but I, I, like they also took advantage of it, too. The, the right. Bucks could have taken advantage of it, and they didn't. Yeah, the Bucks could have. And same thing with Boston. They all could have taken advantage of it. So, I mean, listen, it is what it is. But I, I don't I, – like, I'm not – what I'm saying is I wouldn't be afraid of the Heat, like, come playoff time. Sure. Like, no, look, it's the top two teams in the Eastern Conference and the rest of them, it's like, okay. Yeah. And then you got, and then you got Indiana. The Pacers are kind of falling off a little bit, especially after the Oladipo trade. Um, hopefully, Karis LeVert can get healthy again. I mean, that, oh my that, God. That, that trade probably saved his life. And yeah. Then, I and was then, so annoyed when that deal went down because of, because of him and Jared Allen. It's like, these guys have been here from the start, and now you get, now you get rid of them. I understand it's James Harden, but it's like, th- like, there's something about loyalty. I get there's not really much of it in this league. But, God, I was like, what the hell? But in the end, it's like, this is a great thing. Right. Saved his life. Right. So, you don't really know about the Pacers anymore. Sabonis is a beast, but that's it. And then you got Cleveland. Cleveland dropped off, clearly. Detroit's at the bottom. Orlando. Orlando made the playoffs two years in a row. But, I don't. again, I never liked the Magic either. The Magic were never no. a team where I was like, oh, yeah, they could build off of this. No, the Magic were the Magic. And then Chicago. And then Chicago. And Charlotte. Charlotte, I like – Charlotte's actually played a lot better than I thought they would. I'm just going to put yeah, that out there. Yeah, they I'll have. Put, I'll give them that. They go with LaMelo, Terry Rozier, and, and Hayward. At I'm this, surprised. At this, point, Nikki, at this point, Nick, you'd rather have Terry Rozier instead of Kemba Walker, which nobody would have said that. No one would have said that. Kemba's knee has been obviously a huge problem. I mean, pre – look, it's, we talked about it here. It was pre the All-Star game, the 2020 All-Star game. He was fine until yeah. that and yeah. then boom look what happens to him and he's been he's been a shell of himself since then i think more people people in boston are more excited about peyton peyton pritchard who's been exciting don't get me wrong but they're more excited about him than kemba walker and that's sad can't have ah, that it's absolutely terrible it should be your spark plug off the bench and he's not that yeah yes yeah, absolutely not no way all right guys so we're gonna wrap this podcast up real quick because the sixers actually have shoot around you know oh. as, they get, as they get set for the dallas mavericks tonight so February 25th. Nick, final thoughts, man. Go ahead. Uh, Batman is a great superhero. I saw that coming. <laughs> I saw that coming. Just Why do you always spew blasphemy whenever you come onto this podcast, man? It's blasphemous. Extremely, <laughs> extremely blasphemous to even think that Batman is, is even a superhero. You know what? He's, he's a detective. That's exactly who he is. He's a detective more, more than a superhero. Batman. He, he is a detective. That's true. You, you can be both. Batman's a joke. All right. Uh, today is my girlfriend Melissa Detloff's birthday. So happy, happy 26th birthday to Melissa. 
Uh, happy birthday, Melissa. Happy birthday. I, I love you, and I hope you're having a great day today. Uh, I know. I know. Oh, that's a good boyfriend. Oh, thanks, man. All right. Sixers, Mavericks. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that next week. Uh, and also everything that happens between a week's time, Nick, thank you so much for everything you've done for me. Thank you. Everything at Netswire and good luck over at Jack Kings, my guy. And you're, you're definitely going to be back on here again at some point. Of course. Thank you very much, brother. I appreciate it. With that, we're out. We'll see you guys next time on the bell ringer. <laughs>